moment. But I don't want to lose this moment. There's something special that happens when God's people gather. Now, God's people stay God's people whether they gather or not. And so Paul says two things about us as a temple. He says that you, singular, and your body is the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's in 1 Corinthians 6. But in 1 Corinthians 3, same Paul, speaking about the temple, he says, you, plural, are the temple. You're the temple of God. So you don't fight with each other because the temple doesn't fight with itself. But there's something unique about that. In him saying that you are the temple, he's saying something about what happens when God's people gather. The temple was the place where God and people met. And so you can meet God alone in your own temple. But there's something special that happens when God's people gather in this way. There's a different kind of meeting with each other and a different kind of encounter with God. And so I think we should capitalize on that. And I'm just going to change things around a little bit. We, we're still get, going to work through God's Word. I'm preaching on prayer this morning. I've been asked to preach on prayer as part of your series, A New Kind of Life. But I, I've, I just want to jump straight in. And I want to, I want to ask you to help me preach through the message this morning. Can, can you do that? The message is on prayer. Okay, so you can do that. Okay, I mean, we can talk about prayer, teach about it, pray about it. I can show you Greek meanings for words that come from the Hebrew. Or we can pray as we learn. Can we do that? Um, just quickly in your Bibles, if we can pull this up on the screen, you know this. Um, Matthew chapter 6. From verse, uh, I want to read the, the part that's known as the Lord's Prayer. It's the fifth, should be the fifth slide. If you keep going. Yeah, that's good. So this is just before the Lord's Prayer, verse 8. Can we read it together? It says, do not be like them. Read it with me. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Look, I know you don't know me and I don't know you, but just this is, we're in a moment, so just go with me, okay? Verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Verse 14, is there, just one forward. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father also will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. I want to speak a little bit about the Father's reward. Can we go two, two slides forward? God is just missing this whole I made this whole nice presentation, and now he's, just go forward, one more, one more, yeah, yeah, the Father's pleasure, the Father's approval, the Father's reward, that's what we want to press into through prayer as his children, next one, this is what's available to us, the Father's reward, the Father's reward is more than just God answering our prayers. The Father's reward for a life of prayer is the Father's heart. It's 
the Father's holiness. It's His wisdom to know His will. It's His power to do His will. It's His provision. It's His forgiveness. We're hearing the Lord speak to us about a breakthrough this morning. It might be in any of these areas. It's His power over sin. The Father's reward is His power over temptation. It's His power over evil, whether that's personal evil, whether that's systemic evil. It's His power over sin, temptation, and evil. A life of prayer that leads to the Father's reward is a life with His praise on our lips. It's a life that says yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory. It's more than just the reward for answered prayer. It's the reward of a life that looks like Jesus. Next slide. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray like this. He says, when you start, say, our Father. Whose Father? Mine? Yours? Jesus? Whose Father? Jesus says, our Father. Jesus is saying that prayer is a family conversation, and that's why I want us to tap into this moment. In a moment, we're going to pray with each other, for each other. But when we pray in a holy moment like this, and this is such a beautiful moment, Jesus is saying, I'm letting you in on what is mine. This relationship, this intimacy that I enjoy in prayer with my Father is actually mine, and it was eternally mine. There's been an eternal intimacy between the Father and the Son. You read the book of John and you see it over and over. The love that the Father had for the Son and that the Son had for the Father was always theirs. And then Jesus invites us into that. He says, you can have this too. As it were, he says, you can come and sit at the table, our table, where my Father and I speak, where we speak secrets the things of our kingdom. You can come and sit there. You can hear what we say. You can see what we are saying. You can say what we are saying. You can even have something to say. We call that prayer. We call that prayer. You can also have something to say at the Father's table where the Father and the Son have invited us into a family conversation. When you get to the table, you realize that you are not the only one that's been invited. The Father has other children, Jesus, and you have other siblings. And you're all invited to come to the table. So suddenly, this Western societal idea of me and God changes because it's our Father. It's a personal relationship. Let's change that slide. It's a personal relationship, but it's an intimate relationship. But although it's personal, it's not private. Others are welcomed into that space. Although it's intimate, it's not individualistic. Others are invited into that space. And the burdens that are on the Father's heart become your burdens. The burdens that are the burdens of your siblings become your burdens. Because it's our Father. I want you to just take a moment and ask the Lord to show you by Spirit the things that are on our Father's heart. We've been spending time in worship. 
which is prayer. It's us saying, Lord, your name is holy. Lord, your name is more important than mine. Lord, your name and your fame and your reputation, it outweighs mine. So let's not talk about me. Let's make this about you. In this holy moment, we have come to the Father's table. It's a prayer table. Let's ask him what's on his heart. Can we do that? Just in this moment, ask him. Father, what's on your heart? He's already been revealing some of his heart to us. Some of us have come up and spoken his heart and his mind. What else, Lord? What is on your heart? What's, what's on your fatherly agenda? And as the Lord begins to bring things to mind now, I just want you to begin to pray that back to God. If you are more comfortable standing or moving doing that, then please go ahead and do that. If you're more comfortable sitting or kneeling, then please say back to God what you are sensing and feeling and hearing. It's a conversation. Let's pray. As you hear, pray it back to him. If you want to pray out loud, then please do that. This is the sacred space. Are you still listening? Is your heart welling up with prayers for what you are hearing and discerning to be on the Father's heart? Jesus says when we pray, we must pray, Our Father who is in heaven, your name is holy. Then he says, pray this prayer, your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as in heaven. Let's ask the Lord to help us advance his kingdom, even in this moment now through prayer. And this is where, we, where I really want to invite you to trust the Lord for breakthrough, particularly for the fathers of the children who might be among you. So when we pray, Jesus says, pray, your will be done. There's something about prayer that unlocks God's will. There's something about prayer that becomes like this vehicle, this conduit, this channel for God to reveal what's on his heart and his mind to you. And there might be people here who need clarity. They need direction. They need to make some kind of decision. They need to know God's specific will in a very specific situation. We've got the written word. We've got the holy scriptures. God has revealed to us his general will. But as we press into him in prayer, there's always something next, something specific. Not only do we find God's will in prayer, but we also find his power to help us do his will in prayer. So, so I'm going to ask you to help me now. Can you please stand? Aware. Most of you actually stood. That's great. I want you to continue to listen to what's on the Father's heart, just in this moment. I know this is weird. This is weird for me too. I don't usually preach like this. Father, please will you burden us and clarify those burdens. I pray for those of us who are standing who need to know your will. Jesus, you said that as we pray, we can find your will. I pray for those who need clarity. They need direction. Lord, in this family moment, would you reveal the Father's will to their hearts? And even would you use us as we pray for them? Lord, sometimes pressing in to know your will can be so exhausting. But thank you for the family moment where we can stand in agreement in prayer. Would you even use us to pray for each other? Father, please, would you put on our hearts and on our minds now those who you need us to pray with in Jesus' name. So please, would you do that? Would you allow the Lord to lead you to someone who might be needing God's direction? Clarity in terms of God's will so that his kingdom can come and advance more fully in and through their lives. Would you allow the Lord to lead you to that person now and pray with them? Thank you for your obedience. And as you pray for them, pray not just for knowledge to know his will, but for power to do his will. All of that is available in prayer. It's the Father's reward. Off you go. Go, 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 go. Quickly. The Lord is here. The Spirit is here. Hi, sorry, I'm not looking at you. Please, would you join us? Allow the Lord to lead you. Allow the Lord to lead you. Allow the Lord to lead you out of your comfort to pray for someone else. It might be someone close by. It might be someone in another part of the room. Allow the Lord to lead you. Pray with someone. Pray for someone. Ask God to help them discern his will. Ask them, hey, I, I felt led to come to you. What, how do you want me to pray for you? All over this room, people are praying for each other. Please. 
prayer is advancing His kingdom. Sometimes people are unable to discern God's will by themselves. And they don't need you to tell them God's will. They just need you to pray with them so that they can hear a little bit more clearly. If you're still praying for someone, then please continue to do that. If you've got someone that the Lord has put on your heart or just someone who's come to mind and you haven't prayed for them and they are here, then please make a point of doing that before you leave the, the, the premises today. And if it's someone who's not here, then you know what to do. Okay. How are you? Can we pray some more? Okay. Jesus says that prayer is provision. Um, and prayer is, is that, uh, uh, not that the prayer is the provision, but the prayer is what leads to provision. The prayer is the means of provision. And so, whatever you need, prayer is that bridge that will get what you need from God to you. Can we, can we do the next one quickly? I'd like us to pray some more into this. Prayer means forgiveness in two ways. Prayer is what gives us forgiveness. But through prayer, we are also able to give forgiveness. Say that again. Prayer is what gives us forgiveness. We find the forgiveness, the remission, the release from our sins. We find it in prayer. The Pharisees would say, no, there are some other things you can do. Jesus says, no, not like that, like this. A new way of life says, in prayer, you can find your past and the sins of your past, whether it be your immediate past or whether it be your heritage, your ancestry, your generations. You can find forgiveness for sin. But in prayer, you can also Give. It's beautiful giving and receiving. It's kingdom language. You can give forgiveness. Right? Forgiveness. Can you hear the key word in forgive? Give. Forgiveness is something that you... And it's virtually impossible to give forgiveness outside of prayer. And so a life of prayer is able to give people what they don't deserve. Is able to release people when they don't deserve to be released. Is able to treat people better than they deserve to be treated. It's called kindness. It's mercy. It's forgiveness. But it is released through prayer. Uh, if we don't pray, then we're going to struggle in the area of forgiveness. And God, through prayer, is able to help you forgive. When I talk about forgiveness, I like to say, and I say this reverently, you can even forgive dead people. And sometimes, that's exactly where the problem is. We need to release all who have ever harmed us. It's best done in and through prayer. Jesus says, when you pray, say, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who it's in the language of prayer. Okay, let's do the next slide. Prayer is spiritual warfare. And often the biggest, the biggest attack we face, spiritual attack we face on our lives, our walk with the Lord, is actually on our prayer lives. I don't know if you noticed, I'll speak for myself. Some of the biggest attack I've experienced, spiritual attack, is on my prayer life. 
So I become prayerless, and then I become weak, and then the enemy takes advantage. Prayer is spiritual warfare. Prayer positions us to overcome. But prayer also, beautifully, sensitizes us to these spiritual realities that you can't see with the naked eye. Often there are things going on in my world, in my life, that I just can't see until I get into prayer. And Jesus is saying that as you pray, you become more sensitive to the root causes of these things and where these things are coming from and what's really going on. And Jesus is saying that as you pray, you begin to find power to overcome this evil. He says, pray, lead us not into, lead us away from, lead us away from temptation. So you can see it. You don't walk straight into it anymore. It's like, oh, I must not even look. Let me go that way. Okay? It happens when our hearts have been sensitized through our prayer lives. And then he says, and deliver us from evil. It all happens in the heart of prayer. Okay, so I need you to pray with me again. Not for me, with me. You can pray for me. I hope you are, but with me. Okay, will you stand? Hey, this is, this. don't have this guy back, please. Stand. And who knows, God might answer your prayer. Today still depends, you know, depends. Okay, so again, I want you just to have the Lord lead you to someone who needs this kind of prayer, the prayer of spiritual warfare. We were, we were, we were, we were called and exhorted earlier on while we were singing our worship that God wants to bring breakthrough. All of that happens in the context of prayer. Would you ask the Lord just to lead you to someone? I'm trying to get everyone involved. Did you notice? Okay. Because all of us have a prayer to pray. And all of us have some kind of need. Okay, so off you go. Ask the Lord to lead you to someone who needs the prayer of spiritual warfare. It's fine to have the leaders and the pastors pray over you. But it's better when you grow as a disciple in your prayer life and you get engaged. Okay, are you ready? Off you go. Pray for whoever the Lord's leading you. Spiritual warfare. Maybe you need to take someone with you. So you can stand in agreement with them over someone. Okay, do not sit down. Please stand up and find someone. If you can't find someone, maybe you need someone to pray for you, then just say, pray for me. Everyone is engaged in the giving and receiving of prayer. Listen, listen. I'm also just giving you some practice so that you have something to do during the course of the week. Listen. Listen and engage. Prayer is spiritual warfare. For those of you who are not sure what to do, ask the Lord to give the person power over the evil that is in front of them. Ask the Lord to give them power to overcome temptation, power to resist temptation, or often power to flee from temptation. Ask the Lord to give them power to recognize the evil in their lives for what it is. And then in prayer and by faith to overcome the evil that stands in front of them. 
Pray for those who are being attacked in their prayer lives. They are unable to press into the Lord. Please pray for them. Prayer is intimate, but not individualistic. Please pray with someone. Prayer is personal, but not private. Please pray for someone. Or pray with someone. Or have them pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that your kingdom will come. Let your kingdom come through prayer. Let your will be done in every heart and every life that is lifted to you. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done through our prayers. We pray for breakthrough over those who are trusting you for freedom. I pray for those of us who are struggling and who are facing a lot of attack in our prayer lives where we are not able to be intimate and personal with you. I pray that your deliverance would come in Jesus' name, that your freedom would come, and that our prayer lives will be a new kind of life in Jesus' name. Okay, how are you doing? Can we go back to the first slide, please, sir? I'm going to try and start over and finish. Okay. If you want the orderly version of the service, chat to someone who came to the eight o'clock. It was very it was so organized exactly. Okay. All right, so uh, I did have a title for what it's worth. It's called the Disciples Prayer Life. Let's go to the next one quickly. And this is why I'm talking about discipleship and disciple making in the context of prayer. Because you've been learning about the sermon on the Mount for a number of weeks now. 
and you may have already picked this up, but I always find it important to note the two verses that precede the sermon because it gives us the setting for the sermon. In the sermon, you'll find that Jesus is talking about the kingdom and a life that is in right alignment with the kingdom of God. And really, he's saying that in the kingdom of God, a heart that is right with God and people leads to a right way of life before God. You would have already gotten that if you've been listening to the messages. Right heart leads to right action. Jesus is giving in that sermon a kind of a kingdom policy document, okay? A kingdom constitution, if you will, a manifesto of sorts. I like to also see it as he's giving them a sense of identity. He's giving them, he's actually giving them sort of a blueprint for their DNA, if you will, as disciples. This is how a disciple is identified. And this is why I say it should be seen in the context of discipleship also. Because in Matthew 5, verse 1 and 2, the little preamble to the sermon, before he launches into the Beatitudes, for years I just started reading at verse 3, the blessed are you part. But verse 1 and 2 is very interesting because it gives us the setting. It actually tells us that he's up on a mountain. And then it says this. It says that when he, and I paraphrase, when, when he saw the crowds, his disciples came to him and he sat down which in the Hebrew mind was a picture of someone is about to teach me something with great authority when they sit down, as opposed to in our culture, you stand up, you know someone's got something to say. For them it was when they sit down, just like Jesus did when he rolled up the scroll in the temple, he rolled up the scroll in, uh, rather in the synagogue, and then he sat down and began to teach. Exact same thing. He begins to sit down and teach them, his disciples. So really... We should never take this out of the framework. All the lessons we're learning, we should never take it out of the framework of discipleship and discipling or disciple-making. Because a prayer life that looks like Jesus and Jesus' prayer life is the life of a disciple. And someone whose life, whose prayer life looks like Jesus' prayer life is someone who's also going to do what Jesus did. He's going to teach others to pray. So it's about discipleship. It's about disciple making. Are you, are you still? Yeah. Okay, so just quickly let me wrap up with the introduction. In, in this passage, you will find some great repetition, uh, particularly in chapter 6. You find the phrase, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Some translations say will reward you openly. You'll see that phrase recur. In fact, in chapter 6, it comes up three times. It's in the section just before the one that I've been tasked to speak on, which is Matthew 6 from 5 onwards, talks about prayer. The section preceding that talks about doing charitable works or doing good deeds. In that section, it comes up. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. It comes up in the section that we're dealing with today, trying to. Matthew chapter five from, uh, chapter 6 from 5 to 15, he says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And it comes up in the following section on fasting. What is this thing about the father rewarding us? And, and this is what I'm wanting to leave with you as we bring our time to a close. What is the father's reward and how will the father reward and, and in many ways openly reward Jesus' disciples for their, for their prayer lives? 
for their secret prayer lives, for the things that they do in the privacy of their intimate relationship with God. What is the reward for that? I believe that reward is twofold because the kingdom has many dimensions. So definitely those who have the prayer life of a disciple of Jesus will be rewarded in the kingdom to come. The kingdom not yet. One day when we are fully and finally saved and we are with him eternally in his presence, we will be rewarded for how we have prayed. Okay? Now that challenges me. But we will also be rewarded in this life because the kingdom has a now aspect to it. The kingdom has been brought in now through Jesus, which is why he can teach his disciples to pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done, even now as we pray. How does the Father reward the disciple who's praying? I believe that the reward, as I said earlier, of a disciple's prayer life is not just that God answers their prayers. It's not just that. It's actually everything Jesus talks about in the disciples' prayer or as we sometimes call it, the Lord's Prayer. It's all of what he's saying we should pray for. All of that can be ours, given to us as a gift from the Father. Not just him answering our prayers, meeting our needs, but his heart, our Father, his, his, his invitation to be part of his family, his holiness. Holy is your name. His holiness becomes ours. His wisdom to know and to do, to discern and to walk in. His will. You can have that as a reward for your secret, intimate life of prayer. Definitely His provision. Do not hear me say that God does not want to answer your prayers. In fact, James would say you do not have. His forgiveness, we've spoken about that, can be yours He's forgiven us both to give and to offer, or rather to receive and to give. His power over sin. A life of prayer is a life of power over sin. A life of prayer is a different kind of life. It's not the kind of lives that the Pharisees lived because they had a different kind of prayer life. The life of a disciple in prayer is a life that overcomes sin that overcomes evil, that moves away from temptation, and that pursues God. A life of praise. Sometimes I have to check my heart. When my heart is not filled with praise, and I'm not seeing God's greatness like all over the show, maybe my heart hasn't been softened and saturated by prayer. The Father's reward is that life. It's more than just a life of answered prayer. It's a life that actually looks like Jesus. Amen. Can we do the last slide and then we're done? Just something to reflect on as, as we close. And maybe if we could just have um, the team come again, please. So Jesus teaches his disciples how not to pray. He says, don't pray like the Pharisees. The Pharisees are hypocrites, and religious hypocrites pray in a way to impress people. They are not seeking the Father's reward. Are we praying like Pharisees, 
or like disciples. And I'm not talking about our prayer times here or our prayer meetings now. I'm talking about our lives of prayer. It's a new way of life. Are we growing in prayer as disciples? Because disciples grow. They are on a process of growth to become more like Jesus. Which means our prayer lives also then grow. So are we growing in prayer as his disciples? So personally, in light of everything that we said and prayed into, am I seeing God's reward for my prayer life? And I don't mean simply, is God answering my prayers? That's definitely part of it. But am I seeing that new kind of life? The life that God rewards me with because of my life of prayer. And lastly, as we think about this in the context of discipling, Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. And discipleship never ends with discipleship. It always ends or continues, should I say, with disciple making. So who am I discipling to pray? You say, well, nobody discipled me to pray. I just pray. That's great. Praise the Lord for you. But Jesus said we must make disciples. And so you can start teaching someone to pray. You say, how do you teach someone to pray? Pray with them. Pray for them. Let them pray. Let them grow in prayer as they are stirred by your prayer life. You can hold them accountable. You can say, let's pray together at such and such a time. It will help them pray. Who am I discipling to pray? Father, uh, thank you for what you are doing in our lives. Thank you that you are teaching us to live a new kind of life, a new way of life, the way of your kingdom. And thank you that you use prayer to sensitize our hearts, to reorganize us, to reorient us, to bring us in, in alignment with your righteousness, Lord, for the sake of your kingdom. Um, stir us to pray. Stir us to pray for each other. Stir us to pray with one another. Stir us to teach others to pray. And as we pray, thank you that your power comes, your kingdom comes. Your will is done and accomplished in us and through us. May our prayers be personal but not private, Lord. And may our prayers be intimate but not individualistic. May we care for others in prayer. In the name of Jesus.